Listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Team Snap is offering a free 21-day trial. Team Snap is every coach and parent's dream. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 91st edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man... Sage, chilling in Southern Oregon, and it is sad to say that I'm in Southern Oregon. But, on the bright side, I will be in PDX this weekend to go to the... Thunder Blazer game. I'm pretty excited because I get to hang out with friend of the show Tara TC Biggs. So I'm really excited to like bond with her a little bit. You already got your flight booked? Oh yeah, man. I had to use miles. Alaska's be hating, but you know I, I use my miles. Come up here for 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 uh, I think 48 hours this time. Get to see some people, see some family. Of course, hang out with you. But you know I'm excited to. You know, be back to the city I love, man. Like, I, we, I hung out with you last week, and, you know, Portland has changed from the four... It's been about three years since I've moved to Southern Oregon, but, like, I still feel at home, which for me is a huge thing, being a, all of the things that I happen to be. Feeling at home in a place, it, it feels good. It feels to be accepted, even though, you know... Racially ambiguous, humongous man, but people still fuck with the kid, and that's always good. So, you know, happy to be home for, for the weekend. I, ho- I hope you bring some good luck, because I'm definitely more excited to see you than than I am to, to watch these games. Uh, Sage, it has been like pulling teeth and hair and trying to herd cats. Any cliche for something that is not fun, that is what it's been like for the Portland Trailblazers Ever since that fourth quarter in Milwaukee, uh, they just dropped uh, another close contest. Uh, this time in Utah, 112-103. They are now 2-4 and four in their last six games. You know, uh, our fans know, excuse me, we did immediate reactions after the 17th straight opening night victory over the Pelicans. Uh, so we won't really touch on that game. But that really set the tone, I think, Sage, for that homestand. Uh we came up the the next game. It was a pretty much a, a backroom brawl. It was just an ugly game against the Clippers. Yet somehow Portland found themselves up. CJ misses two free throws in the in the clutch. Blake Griffin, we don't step out on him. Hits the game winning three. We come back on Saturday, defeat the Suns, one fourteen one oh seven in a game that really wasn't um, as close as the score indicated. It was much more closer than a seven point game. Um, mm-hmm. And this was a team we beat Definitely. by 48 points. And yes, I know it's so much more difficult to beat a team that you've just pummeled. But for it to be that close, that was a, a red flag. And then, you know, I think we're almost in full on panic mode in, in Rip City after losing to the Raptors 99-85 in a game in which their starting front court, Sergi Baca and Jonas Valanciunas, uh, were out of the lineup. And Portland had the worst second quarter in franchise history with, I believe, five points, five or six points. And in in that matchup, they started a player I'd never heard before, and he outperformed Alfred Camino and Maurice Harkless. And then, of course, the, the game against Utah. So we have a lot of games to cover. I don't necessarily want to nitpick each individual game as we currently do because I feel like they all fall under the same umbrella. So for our listeners out there, we're going to kind of jump in and out of games, you know, take topics and trends that we've seen. So we'll be in and out. But really, these last four or five games have had the same trend, Sage. Uh, And it's, is it too early to panic or is it just? I think you're a little panicky and I, I respect your right to panic about this team, but I think it might be a little premature. And were you talking about the power forward? That you've never heard of? Uh, number 43 played at New Mexico State. Yeah. Uh, Pascal Salih. He could have been a creative character in 2K that the Raptors snuck in there and I would have known no difference. You know it's crazy. Like, he got minutes. He got minutes for a playoff team. 
Like, I, I think you and I are, like, in the top 99% of fans. When there's a player that I don't know nothing about, that's pretty crazy. I know Dallas actually has two players I've never heard of. But, like, this guy got rotation minutes on a playoff team, and he's, uh, you know, rando. I guess, yeah. Let, let's start with that Raptors game. I feel like that is kind of at the center of my my Blazers anger, rage, disappointment, because, you know, I took my buddy Mario to the game. It was his last night in Portland before moving up to Seattle and heard JV and Ibaka were going to be out. And I was like, okay, like we need to, you know, atone for that Phoenix performance where we barely escaped with a victory. We should be pounding them inside all night long. Yes, Bebe Noguera is, you know, a long um, athletic big, but he is skinny. We should be able to pound the boards and there was absolutely no ball movement, Sage. Uh, the guards didn't look for Nurk once outside of the opening possession. You know, I thought we were in for smooth sailing. Like We had two unbelievable offensive sets to start the game. One resulted in a Nurk dunk. The other was Alfaru Kaminu flying in. That should have continued because they had no interior paint presence. And on the other end of the floor, what do you know? We don't double DeMar DeRozan, we put either Dame or CJ on him, which, no, I mean, that's why you have Aminu and you have Harkless to put on the bigger DeRozan. He gets into a a rhythm, and he really set the tone for them in that first half. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that he sticks to not doubling, but didn't he double some, like, mid-tier player in this week of games, who was it? Was it Dano? No, we did not double in that Clippers game at all. That's what, what I was... Uh... I remember making a joke that Evan Turner went rogue on one double team that resulted in a turnover. Oh, and I have oh, no idea who Dano. that player yes. was. Yes, that's the time. Yeah, okay. So so we let Blake Griffin go crazy. We let Boogie go crazy. We let everybody, that like the, the star player of every team we play, go crazy. You know, Dal- Dano Galinari is kind of good. Let's let's send that double. No, and we did a quick hedge in one of the games where on Devin Booker, there was a quick hedge, like four straight possessions. And then Nurk pick up, picked up a foul on it, and then we stopped it completely. I, I mean, that's been my biggest pain point with, with Terry Stotts has been his stubbornness on defense. And you look at the game tonight. Donovan Mitchell had rookie, rookie. 28 points. Um, that's Ru- uh, didn't Rubio go- have 30 as Rubio well? Rubio had 30 and he had 21 in the fourth quarter and overtime combined. So you're looking at a Utah backcourt. I mean, Hood, we did an awesome job on Hood. He had, he was skunked zero points, zero of 11 shooting, but Rubio and Donovan Mitchell combined for 58 points, and then you have Damon CJ getting 49, and they shot 18 of 47. I mean, that... So CJ, I feel like, hasn't been able to get into a real groove. Um, He hasn't shot over 50% from the floor the entire year. Um, He did start out with three straight 23-point games, but again, he's, he's shooting... 47%, 44%, 45%. And then it got just downright chilly. 31% against the Raptors, 5 of 16. 6 of 20 shooting tonight against Utah, 30%. And what's even a little bit more alarming, and I'm not as worried about this one, he had six turnovers against the Jazz, three in the fourth quarter. And I was texting you and I was saying, we have to take CJ out. He is literally killing us. And it's kind of like blasphemous to say, but he really hurt us down the stretch with his turnovers and they were unforced errors. Now he's got the tightest handle on the team, so I don't expect that to continue. But that's another example of, I think, Terry Stotts trusting his guys a little bit too much. And, you know, we love CJ. He's one of our favorite players. But if he just doesn't have it, I don't understand why he's in the game because he wasn't playing good defense. I mean, Donovan Mitchell w- was eating him up. I mean, he was either going under the screens or just getting bullied. And, you know, we, we've seen that dynamic. Damon, CJ, can't, you know, the million dollar question in Rip City, can those two win games for this franchise long term? I've advocated, yes, I want to see that duo stick together. But, you know, I'm kind of at the point where I, th- I think this is the season. Like, okay, you, you've got, if Nurk stays healthy, 
This is what your fourth season playing together, third or fourth season. I think it's reasonable to see results or not. And it's no fault on either party. Sometimes duos just don't work. You either have Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars, or you have Monta Ellis and Steph Curry. So who knows where it's going to land. And I definitely want to see it work. I'm by no means advocating trading for either one at this moment, but I think Neil Olshay is going to have a lot of difficult decisions to make either at the deadline or at the end of the season because Sage, I see a lot of holes on this team, a lot of flaws, and it's not a good sign when we're backed up in terms of salary and luxury tax. Neil O'Shea can't blame anyone else. This is the team he constructed. There is no old GM that fucked up. This is all on him. So this is a big thing for the ownership. Are we going to keep all of these people around if they keep on this streak of bad games? I know in some of the games that we played this week, we won. And that's great. But we played like shit. It doesn't matter. Like, to me, we played like shit, except the ball happened to go in. We didn't play within ourselves. We didn't play our offense. We just happened to win. And that's great because it helps for the record and it helps for keeping this team together. But I, 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 even in the wins, I was just like, well, AD was out. It was the, Fe- it was the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you talk about the wins. We're four and four. Sage, we beat the Phoenix Suns twice, the Pelicans on opening night without Anthony Davis, and... The Indiana Pacers. Now, I will give them credit for the Pacers. That win's looking pretty good right now. That's the only loss Indiana has suffered at home. But again, that's when we were playing good basketball. Our four losses, on the road in Utah, on the road in Milwaukee, at home against the Clippers, and then against a a half-assed Raptors team. In three of those games, we had a lead with the ball with under a minute to go in the fourth quarter. Now, if we're talking about alarming trends, that's one right there. Why can't we close out these games, Sage? We have two of the most lethal scorers in the NBA and one of, I would say, the better back-to-the-basket bigs and Nurk. So, in your eyes, what is the problem? I think it's untimely errors caused by lack of basketball IQ on parts of our ball-handling guards. I mean... You see CJ have six turns today. I mean, like, we don't have a team full of veterans that have been there and, like, they know how to work against young guys. They don't have that. So it's really just using your athleticism and skill over knowledge of, like, what's going to happen. And sometimes the lack of basketball IQ kind of rears its ugly head a bit in pretty clutch situations. Yeah, you go back to Milwaukee. Damian Lillard has the ball. He goes down into the the right-hand corner and kind of just gets lost and trapped. The next play, CJ McCollum loses the handle. Whether you want to say it's a foul on Giannis or not, we had shooter open. It led to a breakout. They scored. Okay, I'll chalk up CJ missing two free throws in the clutch against the Clippers because I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that's just dumb luck. As CJ said, that's the law of averages. However... Why in the world are we allowing Blake Griffin to shoot a three-point shot with five seconds to go when you're up to concede the two? I don't care if we go into overtime. The one There's two things you don't do in that situation. You don't foul, and you don't give up a three-point shot. Those are the only ways you can get beat. The only fucking ways you can get beat. And Dame just had a bonehead moment. He is rolling with Beverly to the hoop with two minutes left or two seconds left in the game, challenge that shot. You know, I know Blake's historically not a great three-point shooter, but I'll tell you what, Sage, he, one, he was hot, and two, as soon as he shot, you knew that was going in. As soon as, honestly, roll that back. As soon as CJ missed that first free throw, and I was like, we're only going to be up by two, I knew some shit was going to happen because it was just one of those early season Blazer Clipper games where The officiating's never the best. We're not double-teaming Blake. We let him get into a rhythm, and we just could not get anything going on offense. Um, And then you want to go to Utah tonight. You mentioned it. CJ's dribbling the ball off his foot. Dame and CJ both have a couple possessions where they're anticipating the double, and they just kind of throw it. And it just it was just a bad, a bad pass. And then of course Dame, you know. It's hard to fault him, and I know people say he should have probably pulled up for for the final shot. 
Gobert's a, a freak of nature. Like that, you have to tip your hat to him for making that block. But I will say for Lillard, maybe go to your left instead of going to your right. I mean, just don't even take that chance because you do know how lethal Rudy is. Or if you're going to challenge him, maybe try throwing a pump fake, dump it off to Nurk. But um, just really poor fourth quarter execution, and it's hard harping on the guards because they shoulder so much of the burden. But at the same time, they get paid like stars they are our all-stars that's kind of what comes with the territory and what we expect out of them so for portland i think to be a playoff team a, a contending team those guys have to lead it sage because you know we're still uncertain what we're going to get from nurk right now everyone else is really a high variance player we need those guys to be our rocks i mean it's honestly Fucking amazing. We were even in that Utah game when we got outplayed so, so just outrageously by, by, by Ricky Rubio and Donovan Mitchell. Um, it's tough, but we, we look at this roster. Uh, Noah Vonley was brought back tonight and I really liked what I saw out of him defensively. It was just even on those switches, he was able to defend. His length is there. He's quick. He's a great finisher around the rim. Um, since the end of last season, I think with Aminu, who Jason Quick just reported, saw him in the locker room with a boot. He not only hurt his wrist, but also sprained his ankle. Who knows how long he could be on the shelf for, but I think it makes it for a nice transition to put Noah rightfully back into that starting power forward position. So this brings up the question that I've been seeing on Facebook and Twitter about when Zach Collins and Biggie Swanigan are playing. I think it's based 100% on matchups. If it's more of a traditional team, Biggie's going to get some run. But when it's more fast-paced, athletically bi- athletic bigs, it's Zach Collins' game. Do you? What do you think about our rookie bigs in 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 regards to playing? I think you're 100% time? correct. Um, it, it's that's kind of why I've been not as gung ho on the rookie class we have is because they're both fours. And if Mm -hmm. Collins can beef up, I like him at the five. And I think he's going to have to play some five because Swanigan is strictly a four. He can't, he's not mobile enough to play the three. He's just not tall enough, even with his wingspan to play the five. And then you've got Von Ley, who's still 22, 23 years old. Um, You still have Ed Davis, who's probably 28, 29. Um, And then you have Nurkic. So there's just such a log jam there that it's, it's almost frustrating for me to think about. We drafted two players in the first round who are going to have to be matchup specialists. And so I hope that the long-term fix is they both can play on the court together. But right now it's just frustrating seeing how much really help Damon CJ need. And we're, Oh yeah. We're kind of playing the long, the long game with, with, with our rookies and it's maybe it's unfair to be critical of that, but and and I know that we tried to get Paul George, we tried to get Mello, but this is kind of where I was coming from earlier in the summer when I was like, what direction is this team going? Like, are we trying to win now, or are we playing for the future? Maybe they really just thought Zach Collins was the best prospect available, and that could be completely true. But it's tough on a night like this where you see both of your rookies don't get any run, and then two players we could have had. We all saw Donovan Mitchell who had 28 mm-hmm. points. Uh, it looks like he's going to be a beast on the defensive end. I mean, he looks like he could be Wesley Matthews 2.0, even better. Exactly. And then you've got Malik Monk, who scores 18 of his 25 in the fourth quarter to lead uh, the Hornets to a victory. So he is so talented, bro. I, I watched the Orlando Hornets game. Holy shit. He drove and he was just like, oh, f- I'm getting defended. I'm going to throw it off the back and try and alley-oop it. Like, you don't, we don't have a player like that that's that athletic that could just, oh, fuck it. I'm going to try this. And then, oh, this didn't work, but I'm going to block the shot right back so we can get the ball again. It, it, that's, that's just... You can't convince me that Zach Collins is going to be as good as Malik Monk because of what the NBA is today. It's a guard league. And we I mean, need we need that third guard. To be honest, like absolutely we need that third guard. And Malik would be perfect for it, but 
look back at the 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 draft, man. I I I know Jonathan Isaac was the first big, but man, I would have taken like three or four extra guards before just because of the importance of a guy that can break down the defense. And looking at the roster, we have two. In times that we don't have either on the floor, what the fuck are we going to do? It looks like dog shit. Teams do not respect Alfaruk Aminu, Harkless, any of them. I took a photo of the game where everybody was in the paint. They did not care about our three shooters. If they happen to be hot that day, you know what? They'll tip their cap. So there's definitely some holes in this team, especially on offense. But, I mean, defensively as well. I think that's the problem with the Blazers is outside of Damon CJ, our wings and forwards, they're not wowing anyone. I I do love Pat Connaughton's, um, not resurgence, his progression is a better word. I think he's progressed really well, especially for a second round pick. But I think that's a lot to put on him to say, hey, you're going to be our third guard off the, uh, you're going to be our third guard, um, probably our first guy off the bench. You're going to replace Alvin Crabb and we're going to call on you to get 13, 14 points a night. Um, I think he's done fine in his role and he's really developed into a nice shooter, but he he's not ready for that, Sage. And just think when more film comes out, they're going to see, oh, if we press him, he's not going to be able to get to his spots. Like, it, it, in that Pelican game, when I was at the game, I was like, okay, this is where he wants to hang out, this is where he wants to hang out. If I can see that, you best believe that assistant coaches can also see that and build a scheme to stop him when the guards go to the bench. And when that happens, there is no one is going to respect that second unit at all, and it's going to just cost us games whenever one of our transcendent guards are out. And we we look, we move from the, the, the guards to the forwards, and he, we've got Evan Turner, Maurice Harkless, and Alfaruk Aminu. I, I think they are all one-way players and i just i just think out of role players you need that two-way player they don't have to be exceptional on either end of the floor but when i when i think of a role player especially in portland it's hard to get wesley matthews out of my mind because i thought he just embodied everything you want from a role player he played with so much passion so much heart he was a gritty defender i wouldn't say wesley was a lockdown he had his moments but he just busted his ass on defense. And when he got a split second, he was a specialist on the offensive end at hitting threes. I mean, he was never, he never had the full offensive, you know, arsenal at, at his, you know, fingertips, but he made the most of his abilities. And when I look at Evan Turner, he has a little bit of that on offense, but I just feel like whenever somebody puts a bigger body on him, that completely negates his back to the basket game. And so you've got Turner, who, who I think played great defense, especially tonight in, in Utah but he's such a liability from the outside and he's really taken away. If you put a big body on him, Mo Harkless, I can't seem to figure out. Um, He doesn't really get a lot of shots or a lot of opportunities, but it's almost like he's rookie Nick Batum where he's just standing in the corner waiting for the ball. When I thought the first year we had him in 15, 16, especially in that Clipper series, he was cutting a lot to the hoop and getting some dunks. He's too athletic to be hanging out there. And I don't know if that's by design or by nature, um, also the guards could look to get him more, more looks because as you mentioned, the defenses aren't really respecting him and he's, he's a respectable shooter from there. Maybe it's time to see if we give Mo Harkless some more shots early in the game, get him going. Yeah. Maybe an easy bucket. He just screams to me a player that, okay, once I get a couple of buckets in the first quarter, like I'm, I'm ready to go. Like not that he wouldn't try before, but it's almost like it's when I play basketball, I know if I get an easy bucket, I'm just like, Oh, let, you know, the, the flip gets switched or the, you know what I mean? And you're just able to dial it in a little bit more defensively. You're just amped. You feel like you're really helping the team out. Um, and then you've got Aminu who plays great defense. He held his own against Derek favors. Favors was a complete non-factor tonight, but and how much do you think Derek outweighs him? 40 pounds. So he did a damn good job at, and, you know. And I know he's, he's, he's shooting over 40% from three, but I just, if I'm a, if I'm an opposing coach, I, I am making him beat me from three. I mean, what was really the most frustrating about that Clipper loss is we wasted probably the best Alfred Aminu performance um, of the season, Sage. He, he was 
everywhere. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised because Doc Rivers, that's his strategy with Portland. We saw it through the playoffs, but he had 19 points on six of 11 shooting, including five of eight from downtown, you know, three steals and six boards in 33 minutes. He was our highest plus minus at plus seven. And he was doing all of that by trying to defend Blake Griffin by himself. So I know Al Camino has value. I just am not certain that it's in a starting role. And I don't know if it's I just feel like he's shooting too much. And I think it's a product of a defensive coach design. Like they want him to shoot. Absolutely. I mean, going into the second half, like four of the first seven shot attempts were Alfred Camino spot up threes. I mean, Quinn Quinn Snyder knows what the fuck he's doing. If Alfred is hitting, well, we might lose this game. So he had Derek Favors sag so much and just, tempted Al Farouk to shoot these threes and you know if he's hot you might want to do something but if he's bricking three out of four you know what <laughs> that's pretty good for your team and I just I just feel like we have too many high variance players oh yeah we need we need someone consistent Someone that will like has no games in like the zero to five point category, but is just steady in like seven I mean, our, to twelve. Our bench was Dad. averaging something like forty points per game, either going into the the Clippers or the Suns game. I mean, we had eleven points against the Clips. Wasn't much better against. It was pretty good against the Suns. It was twenty nine against the Suns. And, I mean, nobody played well against the Raptors. I mean, 17 points off the bench. So why the fuck did Dame Lillard play 40 minutes that game? 40, 41 minutes. That's... You know what? I think that is completely reckless on stats. That game was never in doubt. I think we got it to, what, 13 points one or time? And it took Dame playing the entire third quarter. Didn't he play the entire... Second half, maybe outside of the last two minutes of the game when it finally was over. But that's just reckless, man. You're not unless you know you're getting fired, and this, 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 like winning these games is saving your job. There's no reason to be that reckless with your star point guard. He might bitch and moat about not playing, but man, forty minutes in a game that you are just getting dominated in that that's just not good. So I, I have a question, and I know. That it sucks to rank people, but rank our team one through nine. Like, who's number one? Who's nine Overall? on your list right now? Yeah, and you don't no? project for the future, but for these eight games, wait, wait, where would you these eight where games, would you rank? or just how I see them playing this year? No, these eight games. Rank them in huh. that. Don't project to to the future. Just. I mean, one, I think, is still Damien. <sighs> Got to pull up these stats and look at these. Um, even though he's been off, I would still go to CJ. I would actually go three Aminu, four Connaughton, mm-hmm. five, five Nurk, six Turner. Seven, Ed. Ed's kind of fell off a little bit lately. Eight. Eight, Mo, And then, I guess, nine. Biggie or Shabazz. I mean, both have had their moments. There, When Alfred Camino is your third guy, and I agree with that, I would have put Ed a little higher on my list. There's a need of talent. Nurk isn't hasn't played well in these games, so there is a guy that wa- wants to get bought out in Jaleel Okafor. Would you want Jaleel Okafor on this team? Undoubtedly, he's talented. It one it depends on the price because I don't Philadelphia will not buy him out. They're going to at least try to get something out of him. So it depends on the price. So you'd have to create a mock scenario for me to either accept or deny. Um, and two, you have to go in knowing that he is a legit backup center who is in there just to provide offense. He He's not going to be a really good defender, but 
you know, we've seen in games against bigger teams, especially the Clippers, that, and it would have been had Anthony Davis been healthy uh, against the Pelicans, Portland's going to struggle against size. Nurk slimmed down. He's no longer that beast. Um, he doesn't just push people around anymore. We have no backup center. Ed Davis is really a power forward. Swanigan is a power forward. Zach Collins is two years away, I think, from really being an NBA strength. So let me just do this. Uh, either Ed Davis or Al Farouk, you choose for Jaleel Okafor and Furkan Kuzman, because I have to get one of the players I, mean, I, I like. I would do it for, for Ed Davis just because you're, one, he's a free agent at the end of the year. And two, I think you... I just don't know if you trade Aminu, then you're even more clogged at the four and the five. But speaking of free agents, somebody brought this up, and I know it's early, but it's still something to think about. I believe Pat Connaughton, because he was a second-round pick, is up for restricted free agency. Um, Noah Vonley is a restricted free agent. Yusuf Nurkic is a restricted free agent. And I believe uh, Shabazz Napier is a restricted free agent as well. That's a lot of interesting pieces of this current blazer roster oh and ed davis is an unrestricted free agent so you got after going last year without having anybody to worry about neil olshay is now gonna have to make a lot of decisions and we know he pretty much botched it the last the last time we had three unrestricted free agent or three restricted free agents excuse me plus max money to play with i think it's going to make for an interesting deadline just because of what you have you know going forward you know you've got the rookies but then you've also got, you know, players playing well. I mean, Pat Connaughton, he could get a decent offer. I mean, sh- oh, definitely. When you look at like, like, who did he destroy? The Suns. Their GM hasn't been smart. They might offer him six million dollars a year. So I mean, it, it's definitely interesting. I I already assume that Davis is pieced I mean, out I- and gone. There's just a lot of there's a lot of. People in I, his position group. I think he's smarter than that, and we'll just. But be he like, said he right, wants to come back. The, the years. Do you think he really? When he looks at it objectively, do you think he'll? Absolutely, say, he's getting twenty minutes a night. It's a lot for a backup big. And if he and if he feels like if he can compete, and the team is not just going to hand over a spot. I mean, I, I don't see, see, Ed's a guy that's moved around a lot. T- Toronto, Memphis, now Portland. Um, he has twins now. Like he, These guys are our people and they have personal lives and, you know, they want to settle down too. Um, unless an opportunity, I think, comes along for him to play on maybe a more of a contending team or, or a larger role. I, I would assume Ed wants to return, which is why it's tough you know, seeing him go in any scenarios or, or whatnot, because as a fan, the writing is kind of on the wall. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, I know these players are like we think of them as like not humans, but they do have lives and stuff. But I mean, I, I could imagine them helping him helping a contending team like let's just throw out Houston. They don't really have a Ned Davis type of player or something like that, but. I, I to go back to Jaleel Okafor. I would welcome a trade depending on who we give up, and hopefully my guy Kuz comes back in the trade as well. But uh, oh man, wouldn't it be sweet if we could trade Myers Leonard away for Jaleel? Just to <laughs> anyone is touching Myers Leonard's contract with a ten foot pole. I don't know if I brought this up to you on the show or in person, but I was in Powell's the other day and. I always go through the magazine section sometimes and kind of see what's there sports-wise. And I saw the Sports Illustrated preview, so I automatically scroll through and check what they have to see about the Blazers. They had a feature in this year's edition where they took an anonymous opposing scout and they wanted his insights. You know, basically raved about Damon CJ, nothing new there. But when it came to Myers, it was like that contract is unmovable. You can tell he has lost complete confidence in his own game. Um... I think if if we know it, they know it. He's just he's just gonna be here, and I think we have to 
just accept that, that that's a sunk cost and we're not getting that money back. The worst thing we could do, especially in a season that's shaping up to be a, a roller coaster, would be to make a knee-jerk reaction and send out a first-round pick to get that contract off the books. To, to leave it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see maybe his last year being tradable, just an expiring that's something decent, but he's here for two more years or three this more year years. plus two more, bud. So that last year he could be traded, but that's that's about it. But man, I, normally I, I I don't like Jaleel Okafor as a player, but man, we we kind of need some talent. And you know what's crazy? We're uh, two and two this week, two right? Three now. Two and three. Man, I was expecting it to go four and zero. Oh, man, that like. We are trashing this team. If we're being uh, 100, we're being completely honest, we should be 8-0. And I know that's incredible to think when no team has fewer than, than two losses, but the Bucks game had multiple opportunities to win that down the stretch. The Clipper game, I mean, CJ just makes two free throws. The Bucks aren't, or the Blake isn't even in position to hit that game winning three. You've got the Raptors where... I, if any game we can do a reset, there you play that game a hundred times. I think that result happens maybe two or three. That's how full. I mean, we yeah, saw the Raptors yeah, exactly. just got thrashed tonight in Denver, and then of course you got this Jazz game. Portland's up six with three minutes to go. They're feeling good, and the wheels just fall. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here like obviously our listeners can't see this. I'm just like trying to mouth the words. Like it's just so unfathom unfathomable. Like we should be eight no, and yet we're sitting there at four and four. And I kind of ranted, especially after the the Toronto game on Twitter. You know, I'm just kind of pissed off at them right now. Like every fucking year, it's it's talk, and it's been this way since I was a kid. It was, oh, you know, we traded Sean Kemp. I've heard he's in just amazing shape. You know, all the rumors. Sean Kemp looks like you know the Rain Man, and he comes in like thirty pounds overweight. He's terrible, and we just traded Brian Grant for this guy. It's the same story this year. Everyone's like, oh, we got to get off to a hot start. You know, we cannot continue to claw our way back like we had these last two years. And, the you know, the schedule sets up for us when we play three on the road. But then we got 10 out of 11 at home. And it's all bullshit. And I I love the Blazers to death. I'm a, a huge diehard and Blazer maniac. And it hurts to be critical about this team. But, you know, at this point, it's like talk is cheap. I, I want to see actions. You want to see action? Yeah. Well, Doug, like, just think about all of the people in Blazers, Twitter, Blazers media, talking about all this positive shit. Talking about how... The defense you know, and... We, we, we got our ass beat in Toronto, but here's some things that we could look forward to. I... I th- I I prefer to be real with people and be real with like my emotions on what I see when I look at this team and it's like low IQ plays ruin games for us and if we could chill with being frantic and be more calm about what we can do and play within ourselves I probably will be more positive about this team but this week we got two wins and I don't really believe that it should have been that difficult you know, to get him. Anthony Davis was fucking injured. I think bag. you're 100 like, right, and I've been seeing so many tweets about, oh, you know, the these stats are saying the Blazers are so, you know, improved, and I take that Suns get game out and tell me if they're fucking improved though, Dag. Like, I mean, there there were power rankings Sage that had us like four and six, and, and I was like, are you guys watching the same team? Like, the eye test is telling me we're not good. Yeah, it, well. Yo, well, did you? I uh, I uh, texted you the uh, top purrs of our team, and it's Myers Leonard's the top. I know because he's only played so so few minutes that it's the case, but like you you got to look at advanced stats and the eye test. One is okay, but like I don't know, man. Like. I'm happy that people are positive about this team and I can just be real with myself and with people listening. But we've been playing like shit except for the first two yeah, and three, and four games. One thing if we're losing to the Warriors, the Cavaliers, 
um, you know, maybe even like really tough road games, maybe maybe the Rockets or the Spurs. But I don't think we have played a team yet that is going to finish with home court advantage in either respective conference. I don't. Maybe Milwaukee, just because it's crazy but shit. They but came down to earth big yeah. time after beating us. They they lost a, a few games, um, especially at home. So it's tough for me to be positive when I see us squandering away games that come April, we're going to be either, you know, really upset that we didn't win these games. It could cost us, it could cost us home court or it could cost us not, you know, facing the Warriors or not. Like it's, and we're the biggest thing is we're not protecting home court. The Jazz just moved up to five and zero on the season at home. They are protecting home court, and yes, I know home court isn't the the advantage it once was given to you know the the progress we've made with travel and, and amenities and you know the way way they're flying and all the hotels and especially with the the extended schedule this year. But this is Portland. This is Rip City. Like we have a great fan base. We've always had a great home court advantage. To be honest, to see the way we played in that Toronto game was so disheartening. It just didn't seem like they could give two fucks about it. And as a you know ticket payer, you're you're just like, what the fuck? Like you get paid to play basketball. Like I I want. It's just so it's just so irritating. I, I feel yeah. Let's just let's just move on from this a bit and get to um, some fan questions, Sage. You know who I really want us to sign as an associate head coach? I want us to sign Monty Williams. Our our players won't half ass it do you for think, Monty. So man. this is a lot. Do you think Stotts is too nice? Do you think he's too much of a player's coach? Do they do the players fear him? No, but I I don't think players would fear Monty. But when I see team, when I see our team give up leads, I kind of worry about the effort factor. And I know they try hard, but it, sometimes I don't know. I I don't want to be so negative about this team because we're positive. But like, I think, man, I I would love to see the effort. Monty Williams would help like, because I, he was the, here before, and his player development skills are through the roof. Like Travis Outlaw became a six man of the year candidate under his watch. I think along with a guy like Monty Williams, and I think. Um, David Vanterpool kind of plays in that similar role, but we need a fucking big man coach, Sage. Ever since Neil fired Kim Hughes for letting the world know at a basketball camp, Lamarcus Aldridge wasn't coming back 24 hours in advance, which was ridiculous and stupid. Myers hasn't been the same. We 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 don't have a, a big man coach like Kim Hughes was actually getting shit done, and I, I couldn't tell you who our big man coach is. Monty the PDX, baby. Let's make it happen. Let's make a grassroots thing about Monty to PDX. Bring him home. And if you've heard me, I talk mad shit about Monty Williams as a, as a coach. But one thing I can guarantee you, a Monty Williams-led team won't half-ass it. At Lonnie St. John wants to know, is Nurk simply playing soft or is he another Euro big who is soft? I do not think he's soft. That is one thing I can say definitively. He's not soft. But I think there are situations that he puts himself in that are very negative towards the betterment of this team. Like, he'll get too hyped and try and bully the shit out of someone and he'll travel or double dribble or something like that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that he will get better. But I don't think he's that all-world center that we hoped he would I be. think he... I don't think he's either, to answer that original question. I, he's not soft at all. One, he's learning how to play 30 pounds lighter. Two, he's just still coming off of fixing his legs. He had dental surgery, so he, he was wearing a mask. And then he's also been reported to have lower back pain. Like, he, pr- before the game, reporters have seen him with pads down there. So he could be hurting. Um, I, I don't... I just think he's getting adjusted to playing lighter. I mean, when you're a big guy and you're a young big guy, you don't really have a lot of moves. You just rely on that brute strength to get the job done. And I think he's really. Are you saying a big man coach would be helpful? I think a little bit, yeah. Because uh, I, because I, I was just assuming it for Biggie and and Zach, but having like a guy like I know Patrick Ewan's and. Georgetown right now and that seems like a place he'd love to be but like someone that 
I don't know, like just a, a guy that can teach him you're on the left block and you want to. And he looked good tonight, you know, 19 and 11 on 50% shooting. Um, only two turnovers, three blocks, like 35 minutes. Nurk played really well. And I think the guards finally got him the ball in the pick and roll scenarios. Like against the, uh, against the Raptors, we completely forgot about him. They had, it was just like, we just did not look for him at all on that pick and roll, which was really his bread and butter in that 20 game stretch we had with him. So, I mean, I think just give Nurk time. I'm not super worried about him. He is frustrating to watch because he misses so many around the rim because he's rushing it. But I think that can be fixed. What I would want to see fixed even more is his defense. I think he's a lazy defender when he gets beat. He swipes down at the ball a lot. He reaches in. And that's how he picks up those silly fouls and gets him into foul trouble. So he just needs to focus more. And like you said, he does get really hyped up and he tries to take over games sometimes by himself. Or if something goes wrong, he tries to make up for it right away. I think he just needs to play a little more even keel, a little bit more like Dame, a little bit more like B-Roy. Just go with the flow. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, but again, I, I think this game was a, a good just refresh. Okay, we got Nurk. Like, let's just keep him healthy. Let's watch how he starts to play with his his lower weight. But moving forward, I think tonight was a really good stepping stone in that direction. And one of the reasons we had command of that game uh, late. Um, another question we have from my guy, Ian, who works with, with me at Sparkloft, wants to know, are we destined for the 7th or 8th seed again? You I mean, you know I predicted us to go the four seed uh, preseason, and, you know, I, I'm i still going to stick by that. I mean, I'm not going to give up eight games in. Am I worried? Am I concerned? Oh, you're goddamn right I am. I think anyone who's not at least concerned right now probably is in denial, and I'm not saying that rudely, or, or I just think you're I, – I, from what I've seen over my the course of watching Blazer basketball – there, there are some red flags, and there are games we should be winning. This six-game homestand will really tell us a lot about this team. I'm definitely concerned, but like I responded on Twitter, I still think this team could be four. I think they could miss the playoffs if they continue to mess around like this because the schedule's only going to get tougher. Like, November is our month. I, I think six is our max, but I, I could definitely see a, a world where we're playing the Warriors in the first round oh, again. Man. If that happens, fuck that. I do not want to make the playoffs if we have to face the Warriors again. No, I'm like, this is our third year of being their sacrificial lamb. Uh-uh. Nope. Hard pass. And it's also going to be tough because you've got teams like the Lakers and the Suns playing a little bit better than we thought they were. I They're not, they're not going to make the playoffs. Remember yes, Mem- you're right. Memphis is a lot better than we thought. Um, although I think they're going to come down to earth just a little bit. Um, but I mean, I assumed that they were hot garbage and I mean, they play good defense. Mike Conley and Gasol make pretty clutch plays. Like for us to beat them, I don't know if we play them the next week, but I'm just going to say we, oh, cool. Well, here's what my analysis of them. We better beat the shit out of them because if it's a, if it's a close game, we're losing. I mean, there's just – you look at the standings, oh, four and four, not bad. But you look at our schedule and the way we've played, we could be up on these teams right now. And, it, you know, nice would be to have a two- or three-game cushion when we have, you know, the inevitable February-March long-ass road trip. You want to have those games in your back pocket. And, unfortunately, we're just kind of uh, screwing around right now and not taking advantage um, that looks like, oh, one last question from at world student 94, uh, from Belgian blazer. Why, oh, why are the blazers unable to win those close games? We've mentioned three out of the four losses. We've had the lead and the ball under a minute to go in the fourth quarter and Sage three strikes. We're out over three. Why? Just untimely fuck ups, man. I, I, I just want to say it's that for right now. If I have to look deeper into it, 
I'm scared what I'm gonna find, so I'm just gonna say untimely screw ups that won't happen again. Do you think though that this is a trend? Do you think this is something that's gonna start playing in the with the minds of the players? Like, oh, the media is the media is reporting on it. You know, everyone's talking about it. Shit, we really haven't closed out a game. Like it, that can almost develop into a case. Definitely, it can fuck with your 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 mind. Um, I mean, I think I said the first year that we did this podcast like i'm kind of worried about the best by q of this team and it really hasn't changed since so i think those issues have always been there but i think a lot of the times with our two guards that we could just out talent people out talent teams and for whatever reason that isn't working as a tactic maybe you know people are realizing that if aminu and harkless are the things that beat them they'll take that Instead of letting Dame or CJ get busy. I'm willing to chalk these three up to just just bad luck. In the back of my mind, I really feel it's a trend. But just to try to be positive, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say it's bad luck. But if it happens again within the next month, that's a trend. And it, it's something that falls on, on the coaching. It falls on the players. Like, you've got to play smarter. And it's really frustrating because... Looking back at all those games, it's just a game of inches. You close out a little bit more here on Blake Griffin. Maybe you don't go into the corner in Milwaukee. You you know you pivot and you have a you have a shooter wide open in the corner, or you just you just don't go at Rudy Gobert like you do. It's just it's annoying because it's so many little things and you're so close. But at the same time, it's like you know, are we ever going to make that right decision? So I'll, I'll give them one more opportunity. I think maybe if they do learn how to close out a game and they get one under their belts, they can be like, oh, yeah, they can shake it off. But it's something to keep an eye on, and it's it could be uh, the bugaboo for this team going going through the re- remaining, what, 74 games of the season. Uh, those wrap up our fan questions for the night. And before we talk about the upcoming games this week, uh, let's going to take a, a quick commercial break from our sponsors an easy-to-use, indispensable tool for organizing and communicating every aspect of team life. Sign up for a free 21-day trial in 30 seconds or subscribe to a premium package with added features like unlimited photos and file storage and customization unique to their team. TeamSnap also provides a free Android and iPhone app so teams can be managed on the go. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here talking Rip City basketball. Uh, the Trailblazers have uh, two games this week that we will cover, both home. Uh, the next six games are the friendly confines of the Rose Garden. The first one is Los Angeles Lakers, their first and only appearance in the Rose City this year. It is a TNT game tomorrow night at 7.30, followed by a game Sunday uh, the game you will be in attendance, Sage, against the big three for Oklahoma City, Russ, Paul George, and Carmelo. That game can be seen uh, at 6 o'clock. Whew. Uh, I guess let's jump into the Lakers. They're a team that has won some games they shouldn't have, and they've lost some games they shouldn't have. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game because it's obviously Lonzo Ball's first appearance uh, against uh, the squad. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent, and can Portland look good at home for just once? I mean, we we're zero for four and looking good at home. The the X factor I definitely see is: Are we going to stay disciplined on the Lonzo pick and roll and pick and pops? I see a problem with Brook Lopez hitting I'm not threes about in Brooke our Lopez. face. I think I think he actually. Now, if we don't take advantage of Brooke Lopez, then there's going to be a problem. Like, he's a guy that gets, like, two, three re- rebounds a night. We need to beat them up inside. This is essentially a, a redo. You're getting to play the Raptors again. I know the backcourt's a little bit different, but they are soft up front. This is a team you should fucking punish. And I, I don't want to see us settling for fucking 30-foot threes, um, you know, one-on-one plays. Let's run some offense, make them play defense. And let's live in the paint for once. I mean, I want to see Dame taking Lonzo off the dribble in that pick and roll. Run that pick and roll to death against Lonzo and Brook Lopez. 
I mean, that should be bread and butter right there. I want to see Mo Harkless slashing, trying to posterize someone. You know, I want to see CJ go to work. You know, I want, I just want to see us live in the paint. Um, I'm just, I'm really tired with our shot selection lately, Sage. I feel like we're. Oh, Dame has been a fucking atrocious at shot selection. I know that he likes to shoot those awful ass long shots to get in rhythm, but man, they have not been the timely shot. I, mean, I at just all. feel like the whole team hasn't taken good shots, and I, I want to see us. You know, we give Terry Stotts credit for being a really good offensive mind. Outside of really the first couple games, I haven't seen that from him. Like, no, that's been a lot of standing in the corner hoping CJ can save us or Dame can save us, man. Iso ball with Brandon Roy that I saw way too much of. Absolutely, that's just not feasible basketball. If, If LeBron James cannot win a championship doing that, what makes us think that anybody on our roster can lead us to a title doing that? It doesn't work. It's basketball that just doesn't work, especially in the postseason. I just want to see us move the ball on offense, move, cut the spacing. You know, we have talked about spacing a lot, and it's like they haven't played together, which is completely incorrect. I mean, they didn't make hardly any changes at all this offseason. This is a, still a similar roster from two, three years ago. And, you know, you've called out on the spacing. I, I've, you know, commented back. It just looks awful, Sage. So I want to see little things like, how does the spacing look? Are we seeing uh, ball movement off of the ball? You know, are we seeing cutters? Are we seeing, you know, screens? Are we just active on defense? I mean, that first Phoenix game was so great. Like, it felt like our hands were everywhere. We were, you know, knocking the ball around. And I, I rewatched part of the Indiana game as well. And I saw the similar things. They just got to go back to what worked. I mean, this is a team you've got to punish. So my X factor is going to be, if we're talking a, a stat, it's going to be points in the paint. And it's going to be rebounding. We really, especially on the offensive glass, we need to limit them to one opportunity, and we just need to kill them on that on that offensive glass. Like just Ed Davis was 0 of seven tonight. I know we had 11 boards, but he was 0 of seven. That's not the Ed Davis we know and love against the Jazz. Like he needs to get back to that high, you know, that 50, 60 percent field goal that we're used to with Ed, and I think that will make a difference. If we're talking about players, my X factor. I think it's going to be Pat Connaughton. I think he plays well at home. He's a guy that we're really going to need to match bench points because Kyle Kuzma came in uh, tonight and, or excuse me, on Halloween, they beat a hot Detroit team by 30 points or 20 points, 113 to, to 93. He was four or four from downtown. Um, this kid is the prototypical stretch four. They have Jordan Clarkson off the bench. I mean, they've got guys that can really fill it up. So, Portland's got to be ready, Sage. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I'll say Blazers by five. So I, I think that Brooke Lopez is the person that scares me offensive, well, defensively the most. And then number two is definitely Jordan Clarkson. I think he definitely has the ability to put 20 on our heads pretty easy. Um, if we handle biz, don't fall for the pick and pop, which, God Damn it, we love falling for that. I think we're going to win. I think maybe like 10-15. I think this this is an opportunity for us to feel good about ourselves before we play, you know, the big three in OKC. So I, I, I'm going to win. And I, I can see it being big. But if it's not and we lose, I'm, I'm going to be really negative this next Moving on, podcast. Portland takes on the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first of four divisional matchups this year. What makes that Jazz loss hurt even more is it was a divisional matchup. You know, you need to get those wins. So, it's I would say it's okay to lose on the road to a divisional opponent. The Jazz did what they do. They held serve at home. But Portland really has to contain and protect that home court because OKC is a tough place to play. Now, the Thunder aren't a team that's going to be world beaters from the three-point line. I mean, their best three-point shooter is probably Patrick Patterson, who comes in off the bench. So, looking at this game, I think you want to limit two things for Oklahoma City. You want to limit their points in the paint, because they're always going to look to attack. And you're going to want to limit their free throws. Russ gets to the line. Bello gets to the line. Paul George gets to the line. And Steven Adams is probably going to get a few foul attempts too because he gets a lot of rebounds and we foul a shit ton. 
about Russ Westbrook. But luckily for us, Aminu plays Carmelo really, but really, really, really tough. Oh, shit. That changes a lot. Um, I think Mohart... We... We need one of those wings to be. We need both wings to be healthy for this game. If they're not, that sh- that changes a lot. What, what we what we can do defensively? Like, I'm more worried about a pick and popping team than a what the OKC is with their offense. So I think, man, Mino really needs to play for me to even th- think we have a chance. Really, because those two wings. Cannon will abuse whoever our backup wing is. How many free throws a game do you think we allow? 25. We allow 29 free throws a game. That is third worst in the NBA behind the lowly Sixers and Suns. That is abysmal, Sage. This is something we saw in the preseason. We have to learn how to play defense without fouling. I mean, I swear to God, in the overtime, we fouled the Jazz on four or five straight possessions, and we just couldn't get a stop. <clears throat> This this squad just has to play disciplined defense, and if you have to give up a bucket, give up a bucket. Don't don't commit a foul and give it a, a cheap and one. Um, make sure you're fouling the the right guys who maybe don't have an opportunity to to make it at the free throw line. But that's that's pretty inexcusable considering the the talent we played so far through these first eight games. So as I mentioned, the free throws that that has to change because that was the reason the Clippers were able to stay in that game earlier this week was the the foul line discrepancy. My X factor. I want to see Nurk. Like, I think this is a a Nurk game. We beat them twice once we acquired Nurkic. And I know it's a different OKC game, but he's going up against the same big and Steven Adams. So I want to see Nurk get busy and I want to see us actually play some form of a, of a defensive strategy that's not switching everything. Like go under the pick and rolls. Let Russ shoot. Let Russ shoot from 3. Take a step back on Melo or Paul George if you have to. Make them shoot <clears throat> from downtown. If they beat us shooting from downtown, that's fine. That that could possibly happen, but that is your best bet to beat this Oklahoma City team the way it's currently constructed. I would also like to see Terry Stotts be a little bit more out of the box. If if Robertson is on the floor, leave him. Let him stand on the three-point line. Do exactly what Golden State did to Memphis in the playoffs when they had Tony Allen. They put Bogut pseudo on, on Allen, but really just left him and played five on four. That's what I would do. I would Beg Robertson to shoot. I think it's the amount of minutes Nurkic plays. Because if he's in, we're a stronger defense for their penetration. If he has 17 minutes, we're losing. And we're probably going to lose pretty damn bad. Because he, he's been a little bit of a foul monster this year. If he can s- stop reaching in inopportune times, I think that... I, ju- I just need to have our best players in for this game. So Nurk can't reach like he's prone to do so often. Uh, I mean, I am I, I think this is a what loss. What gives me hope unfortunately. is the Thunder, one, they're only four and three, and all three of their losses have came in division to Utah and twice to Minnesota. They're still really new. Like, they're still getting used to playing with one another. So this is a good time to see them in Portland. On the other hand, it's not a good time because Portland is not playing nowhere near their capabilities. That <clears throat> that concerns me a bit. I think it's going to be close, but I just don't know if we're ready to make winning plays. Um, I think the Thunder probably win by seven or so. I wouldn't be surprised if Portland won the game, but I need to see them beat a good team before I really get on that that wagon again like obviously this season's going to be tough it's 82 games for a reason but these last six games have been really disheartening um this is a better team that they're showing and are they gonna turn it around and it's so crazy we're we're it's november 1st and we're talking about turning it around and it's it's like here we go again essentially it feels like groundhog day
Like, you know, you're, you're Bill Murray and you wake up and you're like, Blazers lost. I mean, it's like it just it keeps happening. They if they do win this game, though, that could be a catapult for them. I just think this game is so monumental for them so early in the year um, to set the tone, because if you look at, at Portland, the rest of the homestand looks a lot more difficult than it did preseason. You've got Memphis coming in, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Denver and Orlando, who sits at top of the Eastern Conference. Ooh, they're they're hot. You got six games. I think at minimum you have to go four and two over the six game stretch. I would love to see us beat the Thunder. I I just I'm not ready yet. I'm feel a little bit burned by the Blazers right now. I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to be realistic. I've given credit where it was due, but I've also tried to, you know, look at it objectively and you know, they're just, they're just, and they would say the same thing. They're not playing well. I don't know. There's no real pinpoint. Um, hopefully it's just, they're just slow out the gate and maybe they, they, they turn up. They, they've shown they can before. Um, we know Dame and CJ are going to play better. They, there's no reason to worry about them. They've had slow stretches before. Um, Nurk starting to get into a little bit of a groove. I just think, once everything starts starts gelling a bit, and hopefully they can find ways to win ugly in the meantime, otherwise you are fighting that uphill climb. So it's not too early to to panic, but I think you can definitely be concerned and be completely fine with being concerned. Let's probably reassess after this homestand. But it starts with the Lakers on Thursday and uh, continues with the Thunder on Sunday. Uh, we will pick up and, you know, record on Monday, Sage. Uh, can't wait to do that. But I think we're going to wrap this one up. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we're inching ever so close to that 100th episode. So we appreciate you guys listening to us. If you like what you're hearing, uh, please subscribe to us on, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Uh, maybe what you want to hear more from, what you want to hear less from, uh, any topic ideas. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're also on social, uh, Holy Backboard, Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram. Sage, any final thoughts? Um, I'm happy to be home, man. Uh, looking forward to my trip, and hopefully it can be a 2-0 uh, week. But uh, All right, Rip City. Until next time, let's go Trailblazers. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!